like my father was in East Tennessee land of home free spent time as a kid hills of Carolina mountains and valleys there there's no place finer still my time keeps ticking away I'll just keep Hello, everyone. Hey, Welcome guys. Back. Yeah. Welcome back. Um, I'm Morgan, the younger cousin. And I'm Sarah, the older cousin. Um, I've decided to stop asking them how they're doing since they literally can't answer. <laughs> but you could because you could totally email us or hit us up on social media. That's true. That's true. Yes, do that. We'll, we're doing that plug at the beginning this time. Yes. <laughs> so the, the end. Well, yeah, we want to hear that. from you. We want to hear some stuff. We want to hear some answers. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. Um, last week, we gave the State of the Union 3.0, which, you know, it just seems like it's going to be an ongoing saga. So, you know, that's yeah. okay. So um, we'll have like regular episodes with past drama and State of the Union with new trauma. <laughs> you know, it's our life. Interweave it together. Do what you need to do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, this week we're going to talk about me, me, I'm Morgan talking. Um, we're going to talk about kind of my teenage, dra- not drama. Why am I calling it that? That's the whole point of this podcast. It's not drama. We're going to mark that out and <laughs> yeah. trauma because we've identified as adults that that's in fact what it actually is. Yes, exactly. Uh, my teenage trauma. I know when I did the episode kind of about my childhood, I talked a lot about how my parents were physically fighting almost every night. And I think I touched a little bit on how, you know, that never really stopped. And the older I got and became a teenager, which, you know, teenagers in them, you know, as a normal teenager, they're difficult. You know, I was very argumentative and kind of always maybe have been a little outspoken. So there was like this transformation from like, I forget what you call a caterpillar. Before it becomes a butterfly. (laughs) But so like when Morgan was younger, she was very soft-spoken, kind of meek, um, just petite, beautiful little girl. And then a little bit of a transformation happened at an age, probably between what, 13 and 14-ish, maybe? Probably. Where she was really identifying herself and coming into her own and then learned to have a voice. And I sure used it. And I really haven't stopped since. (laughs) Maybe I use it too much. Uh, No, but yeah. So, I mean. No, we need your voice. You don't use it too much. We (laughs) need it. We need it. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, I was using my voice as a teenager and just, um, you know, like we said before, like I'm very good at forming an argument and argued a lot with my parents, especially kind of with my mom about her drinking and uh, yeah, things were, were bad because of, because of just everything going on. And because I started pushing back pretty strongly. Well, and Morgan's mother is one, and I think we've described her a little bit before, but she does not like to be challenged in any way. She is Mm -hmm. very abrasive. She wants things only to be her way. She's one of those people that kind of only sees one side. And so when you challenge her, It's going to get ugly. Like there's not going to be like a middle of the ground resolution. It's just going to turn into turmoil. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in general, she's like a very fiery, passionate person. I think like some of my best attributes, I think, do come from her. And that like, I'm the same, like, I'm very passionate, I can be very fiery as well. Um, But like we've mentioned in the past, like when she's not sober, she gets very physically aggressive and and verbally aggressive too. Um, It's like a light switch. I mean, it's pretty wild how aggressive she gets. I've I've mentioned before, it's scary. I (laughs) I haven't had one in a very long time, but I do have nightmares of her chasing me. So yeah, yeah, she she gets like very physically aggressive. Um, Like even the relationship between her and my mom. So my mom's her younger sister. Yeah. My mom just like lays down to her basically, because I think there's been enough physical altercations to where she's scared of getting her ass whooped by her sister. So she's just like, she plays the victim card and is just like submissive to her. Yeah. Totally different personalities. And I mean, to my mom's credit, you know, she also, there's that one story of my mom, like beating up those boys who are making fun of your mom or something very much like older. She's very much a protector in general with everyone in her life. Like, yes, she's very protective. Um, and just, yeah, very fiery. So I want to tell a few stories of honestly, that kind of physical violence that happened between us. That is not fun to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, so there's like, I have like three little stories. So the first one, um, and honestly, like I remember so little of the, like I have like flashes in my mind, but like they're so little that I remember of this story because it was so fucking awful and traumatic. But I remember, um, my parents wanted, so we grew up, I don't know if it's similar in other places of the world or country, but where we grew up in East Tennessee, the thing that you do in the summer is you go swim in a lake. That's what you do. Somebody that you know has a boat and, and like boats are like, it's not like everybody has a nice ass boat or anything like that. Like you can get a boat for the low and somebody's going to have one. Maybe, you know, somebody who's wealthy enough to have a, a lake house or a houseboat that, you know, you can go to whatever, but like, that's the thing that you do in the summer in East Tennessee, probably the South in general. Um, But we had a really big lake near us that, yeah, I mean, even one of Sarah's brothers today lives at at the same lake. So it's just what you do. You go, you drink your beers, you go to the lake, you get on the wave runner, tubing, all the things. You find a cove, you anchor down, you float. Yep. You also do the Redneck Yacht Club where you find other <laughs> friends with boats and you tie them together so they don't crash into each other. I mean, that is living in East Tennessee. It is. It is absolutely living. It's something we still do to this day. I mean, um, just it's always a good ass time. Is that water very clean? Who the fuck knows? Who cares? It, it has a little bit of a stink to it, but you know, it's a good <laughs> and time. And that's the clean one. We go to the that's clean true. lake. It's only green. So it's not like yeah. brown. <laughs> yeah, it's not brown. It's green. Um, so my parents bought a boat. Um, I think like pretty late into my teenage years. Um like it was probably, oh, maybe it was early high school. I'm not sure. I th- pretty, it was while I was in high school though. Um, and again, I don't remember the circumstances surrounding exactly what happened. I just know that um, my parents and I, the three of us were going to the lake, maybe to meet up with people, maybe just the three of us, who knows. Um, but we were driving my dad's truck. So, you know, it only had three seats and my mom was not sober. And again, another caveat, 
these to get to this this lake it's not like it, you just you're driving on the interstate and then there's like these nice wonderful roads that lead you to the lake i mean these are curvy ass tiny ass back roads yeah you know in the sticks like, like who put these roads to go to a lake pulling things like me and my it, brothers used yeah. to call this which back turns homie curves We're like here comes a homie curve <laughs> i don't know if it's because you get to meet your homie in the back seat because you're about to be slow oh. the window. <laughs> i was like wait i <laughs> what does that mean you don't, don't even know. know we made it's it just up. a term yeah <laughs> that's so funny yeah exactly like they're not very safe roads to be driving like pulling a boat on or driving in general really but um you know so we're like driving on these awful roads um and i now that i'm actually remembering we I guess my mom, for sure, my mom wasn't sober. And I think that was causing the arguments. You know, my dad and I were both arguing with her about that. Again, who knows what really started it. But I just remember. I remember hearing the story. And I think that there was like some altercation before you even left about the whole going to the lake, whether you were going that Mm. type of thing. So I think it started out bad. Yeah, that sounds right. Like we should have never gotten a car to go probably in the truck. Um. Well, that did end up being correct because we turned around. We never made it to the body of water because I remember it was like, I don't know who fully decided it, but it was obviously like all of us are arguing so much. My mom's not sober. She's aggressive. Now my dad's aggressive. Everyone's mad and pissed and we're fighting and things are escalating. There's no way we're going to be able to get onto a boat and have a happy family day. So we turn around. Uh, So my Dad is driving back the other way on these terrible roads. And again, something escalates. And I just remember my mom and I were start getting physical, like hitting each other. As we're driving, three people, three adults, essentially. I mean, I was small, but like, you know, I'm a teenager, but still three adults in a small truck physically fighting while my dad is driving the truck with pulling a boat. And he even was like getting involved, kind of defending me because it, it broke out into a physical altercation with my mom where we're literally hitting each other in this tiny enclosed space, which is like horrific yes. and so dangerous. And like, again, like, again, it's, it's such a blur. I, I just remember tidbits of it, but I do remember we get to uh, some semblance of a town, like the closest town, which is, you know hardly even there's like one grocery store a mcdonald's and a few other things and i was like let me the fuck out like i'm not riding in the car the rest of the way home it was probably only a 25 minute drive back to the to the house but i was like i'm not get me out of the car i will have someone pick me up i'm not doing this and that's when i called you crying right Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah and i i I don't think my dad was willing to leave me there. It was an IGA, actually, if anyone knows what those are, which yeah. are just like, I don't feel like they're ever in a non-super uh, roll area. Right. But uh, my dad was not willing to continue driving without me. Like, they weren't just going to leave me there, even though I was like, I'm not riding home in this fucking truck while we're all physically fighting right now. And I'm like crying. I don't remember, like, you lived at that house close by, right? I think I did. And I know that, you know, whenever I came back um, and was living in that house, it it was apparent that there were physical altercations between you and your mother and, Mm. you know, whatever would happen with your father with defense and things like that and between them. But I was just like shocked when you called me and you were 
obviously devastated. And you started describing what had happened in between you and your mom. And then you said that your dad, you know, was then striking your mom in the truck to get her to leave you alone because he was protecting you. And then you guys had pulled over and gotten out. And I just remember being just like so heartbroken and devastated that you can't even have just a day to the lake with your new boat, with your family. (laughs) And that that's happening in the truck on those roads. I mean, it, it was kind of, I don't know, I guess it brought a lot of things to fruition to me that day, like how bad things were at home for you, which broke my heart, you know, and the fact that and your, your dad can usually stay calm for a certain period of time, but Mm -hmm. that he was irate as well because of what was happening between you and your mom. And I know how strong your mom is as a person when she gets aggressive and how small you were at the time. So, I mean, I was just absolutely devastated. I want to say that no matter where I was, like I wanted to come get you, but I do remember you guys all getting back into the truck and coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it wasn't a, it it wasn't that you weren't able to, I think it was kind of like, they were like, please Morgan, get back in the car. Like everyone like took a beat and calmed down. And like, look, I don't want to paint it like my mom is just the villain or like you know I was the victim necessarily like everyone escalated everyone um and at the end of the day like was I the child yes uh should anybody be putting hands on anybody absolutely not and it's really unfortunate that I had to watch that my entire fucking life um but yeah everyone took a beat and it's just like it's that adrenaline after like a physical altercation like that where you're just like you can't help but cry I mean you're yeah, it's just like your body is freaking the fuck out, you know. Um, but we did, yeah, we finally I did get back in the car with them, like crying and everything. And I, I don't think I spoke like the rest of the way home. And who knows what happened? But I mean that, like that was like a regular weekend, you know. Not that that necessarily happened every weekend, but just the fact that like you know that wasn't super surprising. It's horrifying that yeah, my dad was literally driving the truck on these curvy roads with the boat with one hand and then like trying to either add to a physical altercation or break it up or whatever. I mean, yeah, just like fist fucking flying in a truck with three adults. Uh, it's just like, yeah, literally I mean, it's, quite dangerous. It's terrifyingly awful and scary, but there is the humor to it today a little bit. Cause yeah. that's what Morgan and I do is try to laugh some of this stuff off as we <laughs> yeah. process it. But I also think that there was the dynamic of the fact that you called me which has always been kind of like, I don't know if the right word is a threat, but it's like an embarrassment that your parents can't take care of you and have, you know, a a regular relationship without violence and trauma that you called and reached out to me. And I think that's probably what partly de-escalated them to be like, we're fine, get in the Mm -hmm. truck. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think anytime there's abuse going on and, and again, that abuse was going both ways. I don't want to pin it on either one parent. Um, it was just a toxic abusive relationship period. Um, you don't want people to know there's a lot of shame, there's embarrassment. And yeah, then there comes the extra layer of shame and embarrassment as like failing as parents, essentially. And like, you know, not, yeah, not being able to like provide for your child or take care of your child. And your child literally doesn't want to ride home with you all because, yeah, yeah. So they, they definitely never wanted anyone to talk about what was going Mm -hmm. on. They didn't want me to reach out to other people. Um, 
you know, which is like we've talked about in the past, like why we didn't realize all of this was so traumatic until we became adults. And, you know, we were told our whole lives, like this is just normal family drama. Um, so yeah, that was a terrible day. There was another day when I was a teenager that stands out to when my dad, this was the same kind of period of time when my dad was traveling a lot for work. So that episode where I mentioned that my mom got her DUI when my dad was out of town, when I was supposed to go to my first high school dance, I'm pretty sure my dad was either out of town or just like working on a weekend or something. I don't know. But my mom was, what would happen is in high school when things were really, really bad between my parents was my dad would either be traveling, playing golf or working. Uh, uh, Yeah. Work, not traveling, but still working on the weekends. And my mom would start to drink and do whatever else early in the morning and she would get really messed up and then fighting would happen between her and I usually if I were home. Um, And then there was always the whole like, if even if I were home and that was the case and I had plans, like I kind of would hesitate because I'd be afraid of what would happen, you know, while she was there by herself. Um, And that was very real, a very real fear because there was one day when she was super messed up and she was trying to leave, like trying to drive. And I don't remember if this was before or after the DUI, but I just remember it was just her and I home and I was trying to get her not to leave. I was like taking the keys and hiding them and it turned into probably our worst physical altercation. And I just remember like literally standing in front of the door. And again, like I'm pretty small. I've always been small my entire life. I, I, like, you know, athletic, like i Right. You know, lifted weights and played soccer and everything, but still small. And she had a good 50 pounds on you. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I was standing in front of the the front door because I think she had gotten the keys at this point. And she always had really long nails. So anytime, like, I mean, we had. Why did she have really long nails? Because she used that nail tech shit and she'd have 50 layers on until they (laughs) was fucking purple, dude. (laughs) I know. And honestly, like she has beautiful nails, Yes, but they're a weapon and they're horrifying. <laughs> uh, and I'm pretty sure there is a man out there who has a scar on his face from her oh, yeah. nails. Like, yes, yes, I know this man. <laughs> a family friend. Yes. Uh, an ex of hers, if you will. Yes. Uh, so I like I remember like there were arguments where like she tried she would like take my phone away from me and I would like try to let her not because again, fiery mother, fiery daughter. Um, and like her nails would always get me and. <laughs> So I think uh, during this fight, like she had gotten the keys back, like she had them in her possession because again, I I was no match for her nails and trying to like (laughs) keep an object from her. So I'm physically barricading myself in front of the front door so that she cannot leave out of it. And I will never forget, like, I thought I was like fighting her off pretty well. Like it was like going back and forth. We weren't like swinging, hitting each other necessarily. She was just trying to like kind of pull me out of the way. And I was just like kind of, you know, blocking her attempts to pull me and i will never fucking forget she kicked me in the stomach (laughs) (gasps) what yes because she could she couldn't get me out of the way any other way and i will never forget that like (gasps) like it takes your breath away when you get kicked in the stomach yes and she got out of the way she got me out of the way and i'm pretty sure she left i can't remember i mean again that one was just like so traumatic that like it's i'm unclear and I just remember like calling my dad and being like she's trying to leave she's trying to leave and I think after that I was like 
I did my best. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, truly do. And it's so crazy how we have that responsibility and guilt as a child. I too have tried to keep my mother from leaving while she's too intoxicated to drive. I've even called the police on her when I was a child Thanks. and been like, this car's traveling, blah, blah, blah. I don't want her to hurt people. They never did anything um, not to down our police system. I know they've got other things on their plate around here, but right. you know, it, it, that feeling of being out of control and trying to protect your parent while you're being abused by your parent is just a feeling that I, I can't even articulate. It is the worst feeling. And I remember when I was younger, when we couldn't get my mom to stop driving drunk, my stepdad would take the spark plugs out of her car <laughs> because she did, she couldn't put them back, which yep. would just piss her off, but it would keep her home. It so would keep her home. Yep. I mean, you got to get creative. Yeah. Um, oh, there's Relly. There's Relly. He's, you know, he hasn't shown up in an episode in a while. So how's due. he doing? He had an injury this week. Well, speaking of physical altercations, yeah, we'll take a little side note. Um, Relly is such a quirky dog. It would take an entire episode to explain his anxieties and quirks and all of his <laughs> little nuanced behaviors. But sometimes he hates dogs randomly. I take him, he has gone to the dog park his entire life almost every single day because we live, we've lived in a city, you know, where there's a dog park within walking distance his entire life. Uh, and I take him every day. And Monday, I think it was, I, I don't, I don't remember. It's just two days ago. Um, I took him to the dog park and like the middle of the day, I mean, cause I work remotely, this dog gets walked like four times a day. Like he's so spoiled. And it was just him and I at this dog park and this German shepherd, a uh, big German shepherd came and the guy was trying to bring the, like, you know how the dog parks always have that like two gated shared entrance or whatever. This one has like a small, small dog park with the shared entrance and then the large one. So he was in the large one and then really like sees this German shepherd before it's even in the dog park and wants to, to murder it. Essentially, Like <laughs> I haven't really seen him react like that to a dog hardly ever. Like yeah. he's freaking out, snarling, snapping. And obviously he's a bit, he's 85 pounds. He's a big ass dog. Right. So it's scary. And uh, again, trying to control beings that are not, that are bigger than you and stronger than you. <laughs> is very hard. <laughs> Ellie's causing some trauma for me. Um, and basically long story, the guy tries to like bring his dog in and it's like in the shared space. And I was like, please don't bring him in. Cause Riley's like literally like snout through the gate, like trying to bite <laughs> this dog, like acting insane, unhinged. And I'm like, please don't bring him in. And the guy just like looks at me and I'm like, can you please take your dog out of there? And I'm going to move mine to the smaller park because he's clearly trying to kill your dog and you can have this large park. <laughs> you have a well-behaved dog and I don't at the moment. And so he was like, oh, okay. So he like, he did look at me like I was crazy, but that's okay. But he pulled the dog out of the shared entrance. And then I let Relly into the shared entrance to move him into the other park. And he just like ran straight into the iron gate. <laughs> Oh, like, no. like he doesn't know it's there. Like it's a black. <laughs> he was so set on murdering this dog. And so I like, you know, rally him, corral him into the other park. He's just acting insane. So I'm like, okay, we're leaving. And so I, t I take him home and I notice like his little eye has a, like, a, what, I it's an abrasion. It it's a good abrasion. Yeah. Abrasion. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, God damn it, really? What's wrong with you? Like right at his eye. He's glad he kept his eye. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll post a picture. He's fine now. It's healed fine. He doesn't care about it. He's clearly unfazed. Um, but he's unhinged this week. So I'm like, just like he has a type though that he's biased about. Big fluffy dogs. Hates them. Is German Shepherds a type? 
I guess we'll add it to the list. A husky, he fucking hates a husky. (laughs) Curly haired dogs, hates those. Any dog, like this is so fucked up. Any person or dog that has like, maybe is missing a limb or has like a bit of a limp. Relly is like, he's ableist. He's like, he wants to kill them. It's so, he gets so crazy. And I'm just like, you're going to get us evicted from the apartment. Like, oh, he's so frustrating. Anyways. Yes, Rally sustained an injury this week. We'll post a photo of it. <laughs> Insane. God. Good Lord. Anyways, where was I? Back to the the other, the non-dog trauma. So um, you're just talking about um, keeping her from driving and it was yes. not successful that time. <laughs> right. Keeping her from driving, keeping Rally from killing other dogs. Yes. Um, and then the other story is, um, and again, these, these are really hard stories to tell because I do. I mean, my dad and I have a positive relationship today and my mom and I, you know, we go back and forth, but I'm like really trying to figure out that balance. And, and right as of right now, like we are on good terms again, like we said, boundaries are fluid, you know, whatever, but right now we're in a good place. Um, And so, yeah, it's hard to tell these stories, but I mean, you know, as I had plenty of physical altercations with my mom when she wasn't sober um, and had a few physical altercations with my dad as well. And, you know, again, like my mom has a lot, a lot of unhealed, unaddressed trauma, probably mental illness. And I'm not uh, trying to justify her behaviors by any means. Um, Same with my dad. I mean, he was under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. Oftentimes my mom would push him to a point where he would just explode. And yeah, there was a lot of physical violence and it's been hard to kind of come to terms with having a really close relationship with him, but also like being a, an advocate of, of women and domestic violence and things like that. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I don't need to. When it's also it. like, it feels shameful for us to talk about it. Like it does with us involved. Like it, 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 it shouldn't be shame when you're the child of these situations, but we feel shame. And we also have that, you know, like family trait buried in our head to like hide everything and make everybody look great but you know the reality is everyone makes mistakes you know you just gotta choose what you're doing moving forward making a mistake doesn't end the game you know like these are mistakes that we've all grown from exactly um and yeah i mean things were hard and stressful for them and us and I will never forget there was one night I don't, I don't even remember what we were arguing about I think it was because I didn't want to get in the shower yet or something he like my parents slept in separate rooms him and I both had our bedrooms upstairs so like he's a super light sleeper he usually had to wake up in the fourth or fifth hour in the mornings for work and you know he, he does pretty demanding physical work um so he was always kind of on me about like not keeping him up under now that I'm adult an adult I fucking get it yeah um, <laughs> but I remember we got into this big argument over something small about yeah like me like not wanting to get in the shower yet or something and it got physical and I will never forget like he literally dragged me across my bedroom floor by my head of my hair and yeah I mean just horrible yeah yeah um So, I mean, yeah, I'm telling all of that to say that I think I've realized that when it comes to that kind of like physical trauma, because even like Sarah knows this, even today, like I can't watch a show like when we tried to watch, um, what was that show called? Love After Lockup. Yes. (laughs) Which is (laughs) is a a really great like reality show that has some real good gems in it. (laughs) 
it is entertaining TV. Um, but that like super trash TV, like, you know, trash TV or whatever, like reality TV, like real housewives, all of that, where like there are physical fights. I literally can't watch it because like I get a physical reaction in my body. Um, and I don't think that will ever go away. I think what I've realized is that like, I just have to have a really good toolbox for regulating my body. So like my yoga and my meditation and my journaling, that is, are all, those are all tools. Like they're not really self-care for me. Like they are self-care. Like, I guess they can be both, but they're really more tools for me to manage and like regulate my body. And I just truly have to like avoid certain things. Like, I mean, I, you remember when we were watching that show and I had to be like, okay, I can't watch yeah. anymore right now. Like it's, it's truly triggering. And, and I think yeah. like yelling and physical altercations will always trigger me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just on me. Like, I, yeah, I don't think you heal from that. I really mm-hmm. don't think that it'll, I'll ever be at a point in my life where that shit will not cause a physical reaction in my body. Yeah. I just, the work is on me to like, yeah, have that toolbox of like, okay, mm-hmm. how do I regulate myself? How do I tell my, my brain and my body that I'm safe, that nothing is about to happen? You know, this is a show, you know, all of that. Um, I think that's, that's what you have to do. You have to have a good toolbox. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, violence from my childhood didn't include me like it did with Morgan as much. Mm-hmm. And just seeing domestic violence and and experiencing that at a young age i have the same reaction like Uh physical altercations if anything starts to break out anywhere whether i'm at a high school football game or whatever it makes me feel so unsafe like it Uh is the worst feeling i can't stand it like i I hate that feeling that not even being a part of it just seeing it yeah well i mean yeah i mean it literally puts your body into a fight or flight yeah. uh, response, which for is- me, it makes my joints feel weird. Like that feeling whenever you get really tense about something and then your joints yep. all hurt, like that's physically what it does to my body. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, we have never, I don't think, I still don't think we've ever talked about it, but I've done a little bit of, um, EMDR therapy, mm-hmm. which is, um, oh gosh, it's eye movement desensitization, desensitization, I can't say that word mm-hmm. and reprocessing. I think that's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll have to post like a little thing, but it's basically a form of psychotherapy where a therapist will literally kind of just like sit with you and ask you to pull up a really traumatic memory. So for me, I pulled up some of these memories that we've talked about. I pulled up a memory where also my mom was being dragged across the floor by my dad. Um, and they basically get, make you like what he did when I did it. And I don't know if this is the same for everyone, but like, he kind of invited me to bring in little Morgan, like the Morgan that was present when that was happening. Um, and basically kind of brought me back to that memory. So like the physical reaction and everything. And then they basically just hold their finger up and you have to just like, they move their fingers rapidly and you have to follow Mm -hmm. it with your eyes. And the idea is that it desensitizes that memory in your brain. Uh, I I guess essentially, I mean, would you add anything to that? Obviously I'm no professional, but. Well, and 
my words. So I'm excited because the therapist that I'm on a wait list for, I believe does this as well. I saw my psychiatrist today and I've been having a hard time getting in with a new therapist because all the ones that are recommended in our area are on a three month wait list. So I'm on like a call me when someone cancels list (laughs) with my favorite (laughs) therapy center. And I believe she does it. So I'm really excited. Specifically with that therapy, I think it desensitizes. You have to process it but it desensitizes your emotions towards specific events. I did a different type of therapy and I'd have to look up the name and I can share it next time that helps you desensitize your current emotions. Mm. And it's a little different and you do what's called PEATS and you do pressure points while you process through. So I think there's the two different kinds and that one is specific to traumatic experiences that it's trying to help you kind of get get your body desensitized to. Yeah, it, exactly. Cause you know, we, he would kind of do the eye, eye thing. Like I would follow his eyes rapidly or his finger with my eyes rapidly. And then he would ask me like, okay, where are you at on a stress level on, you know, where's mm-hmm. the response on a scale of one to 10. And kind of, we did it over and over until I was kind of like, I didn't have much of a reaction. And obviously there's something there with like the eye movement mm-hmm. and your brain and, and all of that. Um, and then at the end, yeah, it was kind of like, you know, is there anything you want to say to little Morgan, like that kind of thing. And it it was really, really helpful. Um, Like now I can think of those memories and I don't have a a physical reaction, which is again, I think just a testament to like the the brain and body connection. Mm -hmm. Um, It's wild because it works. It does. Even during a session, you can watch and feel your body, how tense you are in the beginning. And by the end, your shoulders, especially with women, will be much more relaxed. Mm -hmm. Like your entire body response changes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was, that's going to, that was a point that I was going to make is like thinking about, again, just having that toolbox and like meditation is important. Like all of my tools are important for me because I'm able to be more present with myself. And there are times when I'll be like working or just like anything, you know, day-to-day normal stress. And I'll, because I've done those practices for so long, I'll kind of be like, whoa, your jaw is really tense. Mm -hmm. Your breath is really shallow. Like let's let the quick clench in your jaw. Yeah. Let's check in with yourself. Let's take some deep breaths. Like, whoa, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's awesome that you're able to recognize that and regulate yourself. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would be as sane and functioning today if I hadn't been doing those practices for years now, truly. Right. No, I think uh, that's amazing. Yeah. Cause I mean, I used to have like a really bad temper and like, again, be very argumentative and you know, all the things. And it took years of me really working to just be able to like be present in my body and, and notice when I'm stressed and, or when I'm having a reaction to past trauma and yeah, just like be like, okay, let's, let's bring it back to this present moment. Let's get, go back into my body right now. You know, um, That's the most helpful thing. And I will say like, while, you know, EMDR, like those kind of therapies, obviously we've mentioned a million trillion times that therapy is a privilege. Um, And those, those are really great if you have access to that, but those other tools of just like, you know, trying to, you know, journal or work through or meditate or being present with yourself, that's all free, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's at least a a nice helpful tool. I'm not saying that's the only thing you can do Yeah, or that'll be like an end all obviously, but 
They are things that you can do. Most people in the medical industry will recommend meditation. And I think that word is scary to some people, but really it's just you finding a way to completely relax your body. Like Mm -hmm. it really is so beneficial and it helps your body mentally, physically, all the things. And, you know, Morgan, for you to be in your twenties and to be where you are with your body and your mind and your soul is just huge. I mean, you have done so much work and it takes accountability and Mm -hmm. so many people can't have that. They want to be defensive, you know, especially victims. And it's like, you have to start with accountability, like, and just own up to the fact that you have to be responsible for your body and your thoughts and your actions. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's by no means saying that I've mastered anything at all, but it's definitely, I don't, I would be a completely different person if I hadn't been doing those tools for years. Yeah. I don't know what I would be without those. Yeah. And well, You're amazing. Can (laughs) we take a beat back? I just, I couldn't stop thinking of this. When you were talking about when you live in East Tennessee and like what you do is you get on a boat. It might have a wooden pontoon, but you get on a boat and you just go float. And that's what you do. (laughs) To when you started working in politics and what the conversations were, and I'm just dropping this on you, between you and your interns. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I worked in the Senate, um, a lot of, and I, you know, I've, I've talked a lot. I don't, I guess maybe not in this podcast about, obviously there's a lot of privilege on the Hill because the salaries are so low and there's a lot of nepotism in politics in general. So it's like, I worked a second job. I bartended while I worked there to afford to take that salary and live in DC. Um, a lot of people just have family support and family connections. So a lot of interns that are, you know, doing like unpaid internships in a very expensive city in the U S like there's a lot of privilege there. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just, <laughs> I, I, I felt like an outsider a lot of times in the Senate for a few different reasons, that being a big one. Um, and yeah, I because remember, it was like, wait, who did you know? Where did you go to school? Because that is typically how people get exactly (laughs) even even like two weeks ago someone was like oh how'd you get that job and I was like luck (laughs) I mean I had no (laughs) it wasn't luck it was hard work hard work exactly um but I'll never forget this one intern was like uh what did she I said I was talking about something like growing up in East Tennessee or something and mentioned that I went to public school and they were like you went to public school I was like, yes. And so did the senator that we're all working for. A lot of people go to public school. Um, And then there was the one where one of them had a horse, which, okay, horses, I guess people think South, but horses are also really fucking expensive. (laughs) Yeah. And this one intern could not fathom that I did. She was like, you didn't have horses growing up? And I was like, no, no, (laughs) no. What if we did was knew. we rented horses. We went to ride and we rented them. <laughs> That's true. We did do that. I wish that place still existed because wasn't that like really affordable? Yeah. You just signed a waiver. I mean, they probably, there's no way that would exist today, but yeah, <laughs> yeah they were like, you didn't have horses growing up? Like, <laughs> no, I didn't live on some fucking horse estate, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. <laughs> I felt so bad for Morgan for going to public school. Yeah, they were like, this poor woman. (laughs) God, just a different world. I'm like, if you only knew what the fuck was going on when I was going to public school and not riding horses, (laughs) probably have could have no understanding. Right. 
Oh my gosh. Oh my um, God. The horses. But there were some good interns. That's a testament to. Oh, oh yeah. Nick. There Heck were great yeah. interns. Yeah. There yes. were some really good ones for sure. And yeah, that's not to say that every person who interns on the Hill, there are paid internships and a, a lot of, not everyone who interns on the Hill is super privileged, obviously. Um, there are just some that are wildly privileged and are <laughs> yes. very out of touch with most Americans. <laughs> And it was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I love that horse story. I haven't thought about that in a minute. You didn't have a horse? You don't have a horse? horse? Went to public school? Oh my God. What was that like? (laughs) I'm like, how long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take seven coffees at least. <laughs> That's the other thing about the Senate I would always find so funny is Morgan explained to me that when there was sort of like an opportunity that someone wanted to talk to you about, it was like going to get coffee with somebody. Yes, that is like DC culture, like politics, networking culture of like, I'm grabbing a coffee with blank. And that meant like, oh, Everything. a job may come out of this or like a promotion, like something yeah. is going to come out of this yeah like if someone's like hey do you want to grab coffee that's like that's a serious thing yeah yeah <laughs> so funny yes. all the things that happen over coffee mm-hmm. in politics what a world could be worse could be over bourbon <laughs> well, that i think that happens too but yeah scotch <laughs> like the yeah. time that morgan and i forced ourselves to learn to like scotch because she was in politics and it was um essential <laughs> Yeah, Sarah's like, you have to learn to like scotch. It never took for me. You like it now. It works for you. <laughs> yeah. I think of you every time. <laughs> I'm like, I had to do this for politics. <laughs> and she did it. I feel like it's your go-to now. Sometimes. Yeah. That's yeah, so funny. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't get past it. I was like, oof. Maybe I'll still find one though. I, I have hope. Yeah. <laughs> No, there's so many out there. <laughs> there are. I need to talk to. You'll have to scotch. go to a tasting at the like big, big alcohol place here. Yeah, we Minnesota. have a total wine. Yeah, too. they do tastings and they teach yeah. you how to, you actually taste scotch way different than wine. So I learned all that from a really cool person at ours. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's, a, that's such a good liquor store where they put like the each staff member's like favorites. Yeah. Yeah. You can ask yeah. anybody about anything they actually know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I need to go to the one up here because there is one up here. It's like a big chain, I think. On the weekends, they have cool little tasting areas where you can learn about different spirits. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. and the cherry blossoms you got to get out there and take us some pictures oh well it's such a shit day like it, it just like it i mean like the weather shit it's cloudy and gross here i think it's nice where you guys are but yeah um, it is it's, it's a little not. windy yeah i think we're getting that like rain a storm that you guys had earlier in the week maybe yeah but um it's not the prettiest day but they look good regardless i think i might try to go in the morning too, like a little sunrise situation now that the sunrise yeah. is later yeah. So that'll when be if the rain will let off cloudy days, make for good pictures. So, oh yeah, that's true. That's a good mm-hmm. point. Okay. Yeah. I will deliver the photos and we'll deliver the photos of Relly's injury. His abrasion. <laughs> His abrasion. No joke. She sent me a snap the next morning impersonating Relly on her bed. And like the video is of him. And I thought he was at the vet and I was like, did you take him to the vet? She was like, no, that wouldn't be unlike me though. Cause she is such a good dog mommy. 
Well, I mean, I get so stressed about him uh, because, you know, like we've talked about in previous episodes, I lost a doggy bash, rest in Mm -hmm. peace. And so anytime, any little thing, I'm just like, oh my God. And I'm also at home all day by myself. Yeah. It's like, this is so embarrassing, but will you look at this injury that he caused himself trying to kill another dog? (laughs) Yeah. I almost, I had like dinner and movie plans and I almost was like, no. Should I cancel and stay home with him? It's, <laughs> Does and, he have a concussion? <laughs> y'all are going to, when you see his little injury, you're going to be like, you almost canceled your plans. Over- <laughs> <laughs> Leave Unhinged. us alone, people. We've been through a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still went to the movie and I went, it was the Batman, which is a three hour movie. So, I mean, I really, I was gone for a while. So, well, um, I'm so excited because me. I'm catching dinner with a very long tenured friend that I've reconnected with lately and her husband and children are out of town and they both listen. So love them. Oh, yeah. We're going to go guess catch corner 16 because it's right by both of ours houses. She hit me up last minute and I was like, yeah, I'm available. Let's go. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I think I know who you're talking about. I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I love that. Okay. Well, we'll let y'all, we'll, <laughs> I'm cracking up because um, someone who is also from the South up here, uh, called me out. Cause I was, I say like, well, I'll let you go or let me let you go, which is like a thing they say in the South, which yeah. is like a politely like, okay, I'm trying to get off the phone, which I've never questioned it until just now. I know. I almost just said it though. I was about to yeah. say, well, we'll let y'all go, <laughs> but we will right we'll let y'all go. Yeah, and have a wonderful up. week. <laughs> y'all come back now. <laughs> Um, but in all seriousness, yes, we are, Sarah's going to go have her dinner. I'm going to go see the cherry blossoms. Um, and you know, thank you for listening. And we hope that you guys have your toolbox to regulate your body. Mm -hmm. Um, whatever that looks like for you, uh, you know, just check in, check in and remind yourself that, you know, you're safe in the present moment, assuming you are, (laughs) hopefully you are. Um, and that, you know, your past traumas, you know, are in the past and, they're always going to affect you, but we, we got to learn how to cope with it and work around it. Yeah. And not give it power. Don't give it power because otherwise it's winning. Yeah. And we can't let it win. So, okay. Mm-hmm. We'll take care and we'll talk to y'all next week. We love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.